morning, everybody. Good morning. How is everyone today? Who here is tired from doing wedding stuff yesterday? You didn't do the hokey pokey. No, ma'am, I believe my hokey pokey days are over. Of course, I say that with all these grandchildren, right? So perhaps they'll uh, ring me into it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, I just wanted to say a few things. Uh, of course, uh, we had the, op the, the, the great opportunity and privilege to go up to uh, Connecticut and perform or, or co-perform the, uh, do our part of setting up a covenant household and uh, with Carlos and Kimberly. I understand for those that were trying to stream it, there was uh, some struggle with the audio, so... I don't know if they can clean that, clean that up a little bit. Um, it was not their regular audio guy, um, so uh, I'm sure that contributed to a certain extent. Um, the house, the host family from the church that uh, put us up, their home was built in 1770 or about that time. So they had all those, uh, the door handles, the hardware were those, you know, you push the button and it lifts the, the rod up like this. It was pretty fun. And uh, really for a house that old, it was uh, amazingly still square. Um, there are a few places. You know, my house in Louisiana that's only 100 years old had far more, uh, you know, floors on level and things of that nature. Plus, because they built it on reclaimed ocean territory. <laughs> you mean the Louisiana? <laughs> oh, the floodplain for the Mississippi Delta, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Sa same kind of thing, yeah. a lot of water. And, and actually, in Louisiana, that's true. Where we live, if you dig down about 12 feet, it starts getting muddy. It's, it, you know, so when you, typically when you build homes, that you build them on piers and you drive the piers into the ground, especially when you get the the closer to um, the uh, Gulf of Mexico, you know, to build a tall building, you know, they're they're driving those piers 150 feet down to get to something solid. Um, but it, but it was a, a, a good time uh, up there and and uh, a tremendous blessing. Quick update on uh, Jack Hines. Visited with him uh, uh, last night after the wedding. And uh, he's just continuing to get weak, continue to pray for him as he is in the final days of, of his life. Um, he's having a lot of trouble even just trying to move around in the bed. His arms seem to work fine, but he can't really move his legs. And, uh, I mean, it was pretty quick because he was up and moving around over a week ago. And yeah. as you know, just last Saturday he uh, went to the hospital and so he'll be in some type of hospice care and not returning to home uh, until that time and uh, we may do a memorial service here um, for the community that knows him uh, we'll see um, what, how the what the family wants to do and what the needs of the community are but please uh, be praying for Jack um, I'd also like to ask you to pray for Walter Smith. I've mentioned him before. He's a young African-American pastor. I say young. He's probably 30, 31 years old. Um, he's in need of a kidney transplant. He went to the hospital on Friday. Uh, he does dialysis. Uh, he had undiagnosed uh, 
type 1 diabetes. And uh, when he was in high school playing football, his coach was like, something's not right with you. you and uh, had him go and get checked out. And they determined he had type 1 diabetes. Well, by that point, he had a lot of kidney damage. And so uh, he's, he's on the list, but um, he had some kind of really stressful event on uh, Friday and uh, went into the hospital. So just be praying for Pastor Walter Smith. Uh, loves Christ, uh, works in the Bay Ridge Gardens area uh, over towards Eastport, one of the housing projects there. Um, I would say that's his primary place of uh, ministry. Um, two other things I want to just uh, mention here today. Uh, one is uh, on our way up to Connecticut, we had the opportunity to stop by uh, Pinnacook Baptist Church um, on the north side of Philadelphia, um, really in a bedroom community there of Philadelphia. And the reason we stopped by there, uh, that church was founded uh, in the 1670s and uh, we, we, we went by there because there's an interesting story about uh, about one of my ancestors who was uh, a, a pastor at that time just outside of town and uh, of course this would have been way outside of town then too but um, that the the elder Dungan that's that's my uh, ancestor he was pastoring a church uh, a little bit of a distance from Pentecost Baptist, but this, this pastor that was there, that they built the church, they called a pastor, this guy came in, you know, he is, his dad had been a pastor, but this young man really hadn't been. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even a Christian. And on his first Sunday, the story goes, he gets in the pulpit, and he starts preaching, and the Spirit just overwhelms him with the guilt of his sin, and he cries out, he repents to the congregation, and um, you know, comes down out of the pulpit. And so what the elders do is the elders send him to, um, uh, of that congregation, they send him to Elder Dungan, my ancestor, who, who came and uh, met with him and then came back to the church, um, baptized this, this, this pastor at this church from the 1670s, and then... Uh, from that point, uh, discipled him and brought him up in the faith. Who, and this young man went on to pastor the church. Uh, but we, we walked through the, through the graveyard, and there's a lot of Dungans in that uh, graveyard because after Elder Dungan's death, the church that was a little bit farther out moved, um, and, and they combined churches. So it's still in operation today, although the church building um, that is there was uh, built in the uh, early 1800s because the original one burned down. Uh, but it was, it's just interesting to consider um, the stories of, of God's church through history, how each one of us in some way is standing upon the shoulders of the Christians before us. Uh, and I just in, encourage you to be thankful to God uh, for not one of us here is a Christian without others, how God has used his church and the unusual stories, huh? How about that? A guy, not even a preacher, pretending to be one, convicted by the Spirit, and then how God used others in his life to 
restore him and train him and be a blessing. What a what a wonderful story um, for that. And, and lastly, and I'll mention this again for uh, our main service, Advent's getting ready to start. Um, and of course, Advent is, is part of the church calendar where we um, think of Christ's coming. But I don't want us just to have the attitude of reflecting back and pretending to be um, those that are simply anticipating Christ's first coming. As Christians today, we can consider Christ's future coming, right? We should be anticipating that, thinking on those things um, and what that means to us. And perhaps you're looking for uh, something to, uh, an Advent devotional for your family. And so I have a recommendation, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's a liturgy for daily worship for Advent to Epiphany, so it takes you all the way through the 12 days of Christmas. And uh, it's by Jonathan Gibson, uh, pretty well-known guy, highly recommended. Um, came across the elders' email list last week, um, and uh, I've checked it out. It's, it's pretty outstanding. It actually has all the, the liturgy pieces very similar to what we do. Great prayers, great readings, uh, a wonderful tool. And it's, it's really a nice book. It's got little markers to mark your pages and, and whatnot as well. Uh, it's about $25, but if you think about you thinking about the years of use, you could get out of a good liturgical book. Um, I know Doug um, on the elders list said that he and Nancy were getting it. This is kind of a newer uh, he's done some other devotionals in the past, um, and a bunch of other elders, Steve Jeffries, who some of you have met, well, he came and visited us, he recommended it, um, just a bunch of bunch of guys got on and said this is good stuff. So um, I encourage that, I'll put a link up, yes? Is it kid friendly? Well, like, could you do it with your children? I think, I mean, with the ages of your kids, I don't see why not. Um, I would encourage you, like you've got different readings and prayers in the liturgy, you have them do parts of that, right? Those that can read, right? And you just kind of guide them along in that. So that's, um, that's how I would do that. Because you, you could do it, just you doing it all. And if you've got really small ones, you could do that. Um, but then if you had really small ones, I'd probably tell you to, to uh, maybe shorten it up just a little bit so it doesn't make a, a one-year-old too antsy sitting there listening. Uh, yeah, I only asked because we've done one before that was like way over their heads. <laughs> well, I, I think there, there's 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 two things we're talking about uh, doing like devotions with your with your family. One, you, you always stretch them. So like you read God's word regardless of whether or not you think they can get the doctrines that are there, because God's word never comes back empty. It's uh, working in their lives. And then uh, I think too. You know, you know, going through really stout prayers uh, of repentance and uh, different kinds of things. In other words, the explanation isn't so much there. There's a little bit of explanation, but there's just lots of good prayers. And here's a scripture to read, and here are these different things. And so, I think it's very uh, uh, workable for and, and adaptable. That's the thing. Don't be stuck on, you know. Oh, there's eight parts here. We ought to do them all. What, what can you work? Because, you know, sometimes you want to do something. So maybe you pull two pieces out because you've got a, a Christmas event for school that night. And you, you, you just, I think, consistency of doing it 
albeit small or large, kind of depends on the time of the day. And you know, you know how it is. Your kids get sick, or it's just uh, <coughs> by the time you're trying to get this done, they've a little squirrely. So be mindful of those things. Remember the frame. <coughs> Um, well, I appreciate um, everybody coming out for Sunday school. Let's uh, go ahead and pray here this morning. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your great comfort that you provide for us in your word. Lord, we pray for uh, Jack Hines this morning that you would grant him grace and peace. Lord, help him to be comfortable in his final estate here. And Lord, as we consider what your word has to say about grief, I pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to come before you with humility. Uh, we're all so full of our own pride and expectation and entitlement, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would help us um, to stand humbly before you. Bless this day, and Lord, please prepare our hearts for worship for this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. preparation for this morning, and uh, we're going to have to cover the subject of God's comforts for two Sundays. He has 20 points that he wants to make. I didn't feel like I could do adequate um, time to more than about 10 or 12 this morning, so we're going to cut it off at 10 points on God's comfort. We're continuing our study in grief, so it'll be this week, next week, and then the following week we'll be looking probably for two weeks at uh, biblical medical ethics. Um, obviously, we won't cover everything in, in uh, medical ethics from a biblical perspective. Uh, for that, I've got a, a book that I've been loaned by another pastor, and then um, I have access to a bunch of audio lessons that I attended years ago by my friend Dr. Rob Maddox, um, who uh, did a whole series on that subject. And that's available um, on the Redeemer app if you're interested in listening to that in uh, further detail. Um, but uh, they're actually working on taking what Rob did, his son, who is uh, working on putting that together in a book form, um, which I think will be helpful for many in the, in the church. Uh, but as I was considering what uh, John Flavel had to say um, concerning comforting um, those who are grieving, it occurred to me in the first three points that he makes um, how our own attitudes reflect in, like, and, and this is important, I think, in our daily life. You know, when we started this series, I know that was some time back, we started, we did a several lessons on God's providence and submitting ourselves to God's providence. And, and I think to a certain extent, we could step up to that and say, yes, I believe in God's providence, Right? Uh, where does the metal meet the, 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 the road, right? Or rubber meet the road? It's, it's when we're actually in the hard providence um, that we're challenged in our thinking. And I would say if, if we talked about the idea of entitlement, most of us in this room have certain thoughts about people who think they're entitled, right? Um, we think about uh, how some of our efforts as a nation to deal with poverty has created people uh, who have a certain level of entitlement. Our lack of dealing with sin in people um, 
and, and basically telling them everything that they want to hear instead of telling them what they need to hear um, has created a level of entitlement. And as I read and, and looked at the scriptures tied to the, the points that he wanted to make, I thought to myself, wow. I mean, I know I said this last week when we were talking about how he was confronting sin, um, you know, where grieving can become sinful and how whew, it's hard for us to, to think, man, someone's undergone hardship. Um, we can hardly confront them with their sin um, because today that's the, the big thing. You know, if something difficult or hard or someone has sinned against or committed a crime against uh, them, we, we can't look at them and say, yep, we got to deal with the person who did this, but also um, brother, sister, um, your sin. Don't forget to deal with your sin. You need to, to say this uh, to folks, and we need to hear it ourselves. And, you know, how that's a little uncomfortable. And I looked at these first uh, three or so, and I thought to myself, whoo, you know, he, he went from saying, be careful, these are how grieving can become sin, and then he comes over here and starts talking about, okay, this is how we comfort those who are grieving, right? And, and I was like, wow, he's, uh, he's really going after it. B because the, the truth is, every one of us, all right, I'm going to rephrase this. I know for me, right, in thinking about hard providence, the loss of loved ones, the loss of relationship, the difficulties, I can become comfortable. I can say in my head, I believe in the providences of God. And yet, when I'm in it, you know, this very quickly that, that I've, I've suffered at the hand of God in this way. And, and his perspective is so much like, that's right, God's hand is upon you. He's the one that's brought that person uh, to his presence talk about that further later but as it's happening to us we need to be looking to God and trusting his providence and I think that's where it gets hard um, you know I can think about certain things and like my brother's what seemed to be be to me my brother's untimely death right um, with two small children and and but this was God's providence. This was his plan. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't know what God is doing, but it is certainly um, God's outworking of his divine plan. And so he said he says this, and, and this is this is the crux of it, right? Doubtless you would rather choose to bury all your children than provoke and grieve. Your heavenly Father. Wow, that's pretty heavy. He says your relations are dear, but Christ is dearer to you by far. Now we we, we talk about this in theory, but are we really there? It takes a certain level saying yes Christ above all else so he has these 20 considerations we'll work through as many as we can this week 
Consider in this day of sorrow who the framer and author of this rod by which you are now smart. Is it not the Lord? And if the Lord has done it, it becomes you to meekly submit. You know, when he references Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. Uh, you know, later he says this, You strive, or why do you strive against him? For he gives no account of any of his matters. That's Job 33. Think on that. In, in, in our own desire to be in control of things, and for things to be the way we want them to be, right? He says this to all of us, the supreme being must needs be unaccountable and an uncontrollable being. Yes? The, the quotation from Job, um, do you believe that that is gospel truth? Because a lot of Job is bad advice. Well, sure. So uh, that specifically comes from which friend? Uh, it didn't say right here. and When I looked it up, I didn't look at that. So. Okay, got it. Um, but but I, I, I would because say... I, the, does Scripture teach that consistently, that God never gives any account for any of his actions? Well, I, I would put it... I, would, I guess I would maybe rephrase it this way, and of course there is a little bit of the old English at play in this work, but... Um, God is always just. He is always does what is right, and he does what is good. End of story. And what seems just, right, and good to us um, is, is a failure. So in other words, I, I think in one of the great sins of our day is an elevation right, of, of us. An elevation of man and what we think is right and just. And, and, you know, God is not accountable to any of us. We can't stand before God and make accusations. Um, and, and so to your point, uh, can we learn from bad advice? Yes. Um, and, but, but at the same time, I think the larger point he's trying to make here, regardless of that, is, is our stance before God Almighty. Where do we stand uh, in these things? I mean, it certainly seems like Flavel is saying that is in fact capturing the truth about God. That's how he's quoting it there, correct? Yes. And, and I, so, so regardless of, of if the whole context of that might be bad advice, of course, how much of wicked advice holds elements of the truth Right, and that's why it might appeal to us, right? As 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 they might say, every every good lie has elements of the truth in it, and so it has an appeal to us. We can take almost anything, and put, uh, I'm going to you know, slang word here, but Christianese into it, and and uh, make it some sort of pietistic thing that that causes us to say, oh yeah, okay, that sounds godly. But, but it's not really a godly um, point. Yeah, and was it just that the Lord, the creator of everything, should be known as a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief? He who was 
And, and I think that's just it. God himself came down and, you know, suffered, had sorrows, had death. You know, we don't ever hear of, of uh, his stepfather Joseph again, right, after he's about 12. Um, it would seem that, that he died. Do you think that Jesus didn't have natural affection for Joseph and his care and thankfulness to God for the things that he taught him? Um, qu quite a challenge. Um, <clears throat> Flavel goes on to say this later on. He says, The glorious sovereignty of God is illustriously displayed in two things, his decrees and his providences. With respect to the first, he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And that's Romans 9.15. Here is no ground of disputing with him. For, O oh man, who are you that you reply against God? Shall the thing formed say to it that formed it, Why have you made me thus? Has not the, the potter the power over the clay? And, and not to belabor the point, but this is really important for all of us. Again, I think we live in a day and age where we, we, we know doctrinally in our heads but we really need to come to this place of submission under God. And, of course, some of this means to say, I think it's always good when hardship comes upon us, Lord, what sins have I committed? What do I need to confess? Right? I used to say, you know, um, am I guilty of sin here? Um, and and the, the question is not, am I guilty of sin, but what sin do I need to confess? Right? Uh, some of it is directly correlated to the hardship I'm going through. Um, but I, I am in no means worthy by my own efforts and, and good works any mercy of God. It's just by his grace and care that, that he has predestined any of us uh, to eternal life. Um, so I, I think that's a, an important framework for us to consider. The second consideration is this. Ponder well the quality of the comfort that you were deprived of, and remember that when you had it, it stood but in the rank and order of common and inferior comforts. So, so he's, he's, he's reminding us, now that we have a loss of some kind, right, we're deprived of it, right? God's depriving, of, depriving us of it. And when we had it, it just stood but on the rank and order of, of the common and inferior comforts. So God gives it to us. God gives us relationships. And then when he, he, he takes them, and, and I think part of what he's driving at is, this is the common grace that he gives all people. Marriage, children, right? And in some cases, he deprives some of marriage, and he deprives some of children. But... We need, to be, we need to be thankful to God for the, the, the most common of things, the grace that he's given us. You know, how often are any one of us guilty of taking our spouse for granted in some way or the joys of our children in some ways? That's right.
and it's God's providence in our lives. So let us not take uh, things for granted. I, you know, you think about this, have you ever been outside and what seems to be an untimely flower in the midst of winter popping up? And we're all so fast to run on past that. Wow, that's nifty, right? And jump in our car and head off to where we're going. You know, we, we need to slow down our thinking and give glory and thanks to God in so very much of uh, these things. Um, he, uh, he shares this in this. All these may perish, that is, those who, who we love, yet our souls... Be secure and safe, yea, and our comfort in the way as well as in the end may be safe enough, though these are gone. God has better things to comfort his people than these, and worse rods to afflict you with than the removal of these. So, um, when we suffer loss, God's comfort, his grace, is greater things than these with which to comfort us with. Right? That of himself to begin with. Right? And so we should lean in to God. We should trust him. And then also realize that by his mercy there could be a harder life than this. You know, uh, the, uh, you know all I did yesterday at the, at the wedding was read the scriptures. But uh, uh, Father... Uh, Thigpen there, he he did, he performed the the service, the wedding of Jonathan and uh, Courtney, and and he his father uh, does a lot of work. He actually grew up, spent a lot of time in Russia, does a lot of work in the Ukraine today, and he's been back and forth since the war. And he and I were talking a lot uh, about what's happening in the Ukraine, and we were just talking about the the hardships and difficulties and. I know early in the war I, I shared about um, our church in, in southern uh, in southern Ukraine that's and and, and uh, Stan Sanders brought up how there's only been like six days that they didn't have some sort of rocket or shelling since the war started, but but I've shared to you how um, both parents were killed and a 15 year old young man has no parents now and if you look at the building the building just crushed in from. Uh, artillery strikes, uh, or if we think about our, our in the early 2000s, how some 200,000 Christians were, were killed in Central Africa um, in in uh, just just terrible ways. That there are harder afflictions that God has on parts of His church, and in so many ways, as American Christians, we have suffered little in in what could be. Uh, happening to us and and we know this if we're honest does our nation deserve God's wrath 65 million plus children murdered right um, even our own sin uh, as wicked as it is it is um, we we need to keep this in mind God's immense grace that is upon us and even in our affliction um, God has comfort for us in a much greater way than the comforts that we've had with those with whom he has bestowed us with. Um, <clears throat> consideration number three, always remember that however soon and unexpected your parting with your relation was, 
yet your lease was expired before you lost them, and you enjoyed them every moment of the time that God intended them for you. <clears throat> so in his providence, God has a plan, and he intended them for you for a particular time, right? And when God calls them, right, then the time that God had bestowed this gift to you is over. It's, 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 it's finished. And, and remember, does God have anything less than good for you in mind? Does he? Well, I know I'm... <laughs> As I share these things, it, it, it seems ominous and heavy, but we can't lose sight that God's mercy and grace is, is uh, being poured out upon us through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The, the, the difficulty, the reason this seems so heavy right now is because when we have discussions like this, we recognize the woefulness of our sin, our undeserving situation before God, right? I mean, that's how I feel. I feel like, uh, wow. And, you know, whereas we go through a process in our worship service where we confess our sins, right? And then God quickly brings us from confession to the joy of the peace of his table, right? For the sake of Christ Jesus. So we go from deep sorrow and repentance so as you, as, as you read these prayers, as you talk about these prayers with your families, as, as you pray them, right, you know, be sure to emphasize the gravity of the sin. But co confess it. And God quickly moves us to restoration and sits us down at his table of peace because of Christ. Undeservingly so. Undeservingly so. So I, I want us to grapple with these things, the sovereignty of God, the good that he has in us and our hardships, right? His plan. Yes, sir. I was just thinking about that. You're saying that, you know, how, and I agree that God gives us the exact amount of time that he intended with our, with our loved ones, with our family, with our friends. Um, but also as we, you know, we go through the grieving process, and you know, I think about if you have, if God's given you someone like grandparents, giving you an allotment of time with them. And he's also giving you the opportunity through sin, through selfishness, laziness, to squander that time with them. And I'm, I'm thinking about that grieving process. And part of that, you talked about the repentance of sin, part of that may include the repentance of sin or that laziness or that lack of care that led to squandering of the time that God provided for you with them. Um, and that that, may, that, that recognition, and, and instead of Instead of just resting in the, in the knowledge that God gave you the time and He has your best interest at heart, but also I need to confess that I didn't honor God in my time with them and, and in some way, essentially. You know, Ken and I have been talking a lot. There's been a lot of, uh, you know, since I've been here, a lot of people that, you know, he's known for a long time, ministered with, and done things with. I've seen a lot of people go to uh, be with their Maker. And uh, one of the things that Ken and I have talked about is, is how no one ever says when God gives them a little bit of time, like he doesn't just call them suddenly, 
and God gives them a little bit of time, no one ever says, I wished I would have worked more. Right? What do they say? I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids, my grandkids, my parents, whatever it may be. Right? My brothers and sisters in Christ. Prayer with God. Being thankful for all of this. So you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and there's a balance between pursuing being, um, you know, faithful in the, the work that God's given us. Um, and, and we can think so often, guys, men in particular, man, we're, we're uh, doing the right thing by building up our bank accounts and, and building up our homes and having the, the ability to do, do so many things. Um, but there's a balance. I think that there's, a, a wis- there's also seems to be a wisdom of identifying the, the, the whispers of the devil trying to, trying to uh, plague you with self-recriminations and doubt or plague you with, with anger at God over the grief that you've suffered or the loss you've suffered. <clears throat> Versus the genuine self-recriminations of, of that guilty conscience of God saying, "Hey, you've got a piece of this too. Like, you, you, need to, you need to sort out." Uh, it seems like there's quite a bit of wisdom that it takes to, to work through that. My one of my pastoral, uh, I guess, uh, encouragements to you in this way is: if every morning you say to the Lord, "Help me order my day that it brings glory to you." Right? Even if you know you're called up all of a sudden quick, pray that prayer and be thinking about that. When you, when, when you come to your lunch and you go to say your, your blessing over the lunch, pray that prayer again with whoever you're with. Include that in your prayer to remind you. And when you get to the end of the day and you're lying in your bed, and I know sometimes we get to that bed and we're like, I just want to go to sleep. Right? <clears throat> Have a time of reflection and ask yourself before God, did I do that? Right? Gives us an opportunity to repent. Um, I suggest you keep a pad of, of paper and a pencil on your nightstand. I know some people use your phones. I do this a lot. Rem, you know, Make a note. Remind me of this. Create a reminder for tomorrow as I'm trying to lay there. Right, But jot it down. So if there's something you need to go back and deal with with someone, that you do that, right? Because obviously, you know, if your person's going to bed and your kids are to bed and you realize, hey, I, I didn't keep my word or I yelled or, you know, or whoever the person might be, you can make it right right then, make it right. But otherwise, jot it down and take care of it in the morning. But it's, it's important to do that uh, in that way. So we've got two minutes left. I, I won't uh, pontificate too much as we as we work through these, but I think this is helpful. It's good, and 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 in this we 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 need to recognize and rejoice in God's grace. This is another reason, right? God, re- remember, He creates the world, and He gives a day of rest, right? Where does true rest come from? Your sins being forgiven, and coming to the to, to the God's table of peace. Think about that. Right? Why do we come to the to church on the Lord's Day? Because you can't have because we could all stay home and sleep in and just do nothing. Right? 
But that doesn't bring to true rest. What brings true rest is coming before God, confessing our sins, rejoicing in Him, hearing Him, letting Him transform us by His Word, and coming to His table of peace. And then we go out and we're commissioned for the week in such a glorious way we, we become refreshed. And yes, we carry that on through our meals together and the different things that we do, and we want to encourage that. And if you're, if you're blessed, if your kids give you any break, you get that Sunday afternoon rest. Um, you know, when my kids were small, it was much shorter. A lot of times it would be, you know, one of us take the first half of dealing with the kids while one sleeps, and then someone takes the other half. But, but I, 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 just, I just want to encourage you in this. True rest comes by God's grace and the tangible way that he deals with us with his congregation. Well, let us pray. Our God and our Father, we rejoice in you. We thank you that you have our very best in mind. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins, and we thank you for the fact that even though we go through hardships, um, you, Lord, have, have granted us both grace and kindness. And Lord, today we, we rejoice that we can come before you, confess together, be restored, and come to your table of peace so that we may go out and glorify you. Please prepare our hearts for worship and the renewal of your covenant promises with us. We ask this for Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Amen.